Many of you know that we've been focusing on prayer these past few weeks. And we started up a prayer meeting on the second and fourth Wednesday evenings of each month. And it seemed only right and good and appropriate to talk a bit about prayer as we start this this effort. <clears throat> so we're going to take, I think, one more week, unless the Lord does something and changes my mind in the coming week or so. Right now, we're going to take one more week to round out our series on prayer. But this week is unique because we're situated just perfectly to be discussing this topic. And you'll notice as we go through the sermon uh, here in a bit, through the teaching, that I'm not going to so much focus on prayer. Really, prayer is going to be kind of a natural point of application to what we're going to be talking about today. So whether or not you know this is a part of the series on prayer or not, I'll leave that uh, to you guys to figure out. But it's going to be a, definitely a point of application with what we're looking at uh, this morning. But we're perfectly situated to be thinking about prayer because we're fast approaching the end of the Easter season, what's called Easter tide, and coming up on Pentecost. Pentecost is next Sunday. And all of this is going to be so very important again when it comes to prayer, which we'll see in just a moment. <clears throat> and in just a second, I'm going to invite my brother Scott to come forwards and read out of God's word for us. We're going to be in Luke, the end of Luke and the beginning of, of Acts. Just as a side note, um, again, we're reading the end, the very end of the book of Luke and the very beginning of the book of Acts. As a side note, many scholars believe that these would have maybe originally uh, gone together. Maybe even they were one volume written by Luke, the physician. And they were later probably separated into two volumes because of their length. These are, I think, the two longest books by word count uh, in the New Testament. And they would have taken up quite a number of pages of scroll and would have been cumbersome to uh, lug around. And so they were uh, separated. But So that's why we're kind of reading the end of Luke, the start of Acts. Originally, maybe we believe they, they went uh, together. But these paragraphs tell of a single moment. This moment we now call the Ascension of Jesus, which we remember uh, today and we'll be talking about in the sermon today. So, Brother Scott, with that introduction, come on forwards. Scott's going to be reading uh, Luke 24, uh, verses 44 to the end, and then picking up at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Hear the word of God. Thanks, brother. Then he, being Jesus, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. 
but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. And from Acts 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive Oh, I forgot But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Mm-hmm. Cotton mouth this morning for some reason. Let me pray one more time as we start. Lord, we ask for your help as we come before you, your teaching, your word. We know that uh, your word is living and active, and it cuts to the very bone and marrow, discerning our intentions and our thoughts. We pray, O Lord, as we hear your word proclaimed and taught this morning that, Holy Spirit, you would be faithful to come and take these words and apply them to our hearts. Let us not only be hearers of the word, O God, let us be doers. In your name we pray. Amen. This week, as many of you are fully aware, has been a week of great loss for the Christian church. And actually, the last few months have been months of great loss. Many what we might call giants in the faith have gone home to be with Jesus. And this past week, in particular, two giants in the faith 
Harry Reeder, and Tim Keller went home to be with Jesus. One passed away suddenly and unexpectedly in a car accident, a tragic car accident, and the other from a long battle with cancer. Harry Reeder was the founding pastor of the church where Megan and I were married, Christ's Covenant uh, Church, and pastored the kind of the, what you call the flagship church of the Presbyterian Church in America uh, for many years. <clears throat> Megan, in, in particular, grew up under his ministry, and her family was very much impacted by Harry Reader's uh, ministry. Tim Keller, of course, was the well-known uh, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, a church that uh, has not only touched thousands of lives, but has gone on to plant hundreds of churches around the world in major cities, even places like Nairobi, where I will be going uh, next month. These men were gifts to the Christian church in so many ways. And if you have a moment today, just to encourage you when you get home, do a quick search for either of these men and you will get to see a number of wonderful, fantastic tributes and articles um, to their life and ministries. These brothers will be dearly missed. And sometimes when you lose someone close to you, Some of you have been through this just very recently even. It takes your breath away. And maybe even for a moment or a time you wonder, how am I going to carry on? How am I going to do life going forwards? Especially when that person was not just someone you loved dearly, but someone you looked up to. Someone maybe you depended on. Maybe a good friend, a parent, a spouse or a mentor or maybe a pastor, someone you look to when you were facing a difficulty. You think, who's going to help me when I need it now? How am I going to have the support that I need? That's the feeling I had the other day upon hearing the news of these two giants going to be with Jesus. And again, no doubt many of you have felt this feeling before. Maybe it was some other person, some influential person in your life. Well, undoubtedly, undoubtedly, this is what the disciples felt at first when Jesus told them he was going to be leaving. He said, I'm going to die and I'm going to be going back to the Father. No doubt they were struck with that feeling of panic even. How are we going to continue on? What are we going to do? Yet, it was much better for Christ to leave, the Scriptures tell us. And from our passage today, we gather that when the appointed time had come for Jesus to go back to heaven to be with the Father, the disciples had come to realize that fact. The end of the Gospel of Luke, that reading we just heard a moment ago, tells us they return to Jerusalem rejoicing and praising God after Jesus departed. Something changed. Something happened between that initial uh, panic, that initial fear that they felt when Jesus said he was going to be leaving to this moment. Something happened in between that turned their sorrow to joy. What was it? What happened from the time when Jesus first told them he was going to go away and they were sorrowful to this moment that we just read of here when we see them going back into Jerusalem, into the synagogues, praising God. What changed? They realized the importance of something called the ascension. 
the ascension of Jesus happened. And they got some understanding about why this was good news for them. This is one of the most overlooked aspects of our faith, I think. We love to talk about the death of Christ. We love to talk about the resurrection of Christ. We love to talk about the second coming of Christ. All glorious teachings, glorious events. But we often neglect to think much about the importance of the ascension, don't we? Speaking for myself anyway here. So here's the the point I want to try and drive home this morning as we think about the ascension. Since the ascension was not the end of Christ's ministry, we must remember all that Jesus is doing presently for his people. So in other words, the ascension doesn't mark that time when Jesus' ministry was over and now on to other things. No, Christ is still ministering right now for his church and to his church. When Christ ascended to heaven, when he went to be reunited with his father, no doubt a moment of incredible joy and jubilee, it was not the end of his, of his ministry. Christ continues even today to minister to his church. Look with me if you've got your Bibles there, or maybe Miss Felicia could throw it up on the screen for us at verses 1 and 2 from Acts chapter 1. Acts 1, 1 and 2. Luke writes, he was writing a, an account of all the things that had happened to this person named Theophilus. And he writes in the first book, O Theophilus, referring to what we've come to know as the Gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. Notice that little word in there, began, that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Luke records the ministry of Christ on the ground, so to speak, right? The first chapter, as it were, to his ministry. And the book of Acts tells us of Jesus's continuing work and ministry as Lord and Messiah from his throne. Christ is presently ruling and reigning right now. His ministry is happening and continuing as we speak. Harry Reader's ministry and Tim Keller's ministry, Charles Stanley's ministry, many of these folks, and no doubt you could rattle off some that were very influential and important in your own life. Their ministries, if they've passed on to be with the Lord, have ended. Their work may live on in books or in Others whose lives they've impacted, but their ministry has ended. The Lord Jesus' ministry, though he departed, has not ended. And it will continue forever and ever. So I want us to take a few moments to ponder some of what the Lord Jesus is doing at present for his church. And how the ascension is a glorious teaching that deserves our thoughts and attention, even if just for one Sunday out of the calendar year. Well, what was it that changed the disciples' minds? What was it that Christ taught about his leaving that moved them from sorrow and dejection to joy and praise when they thought of him leaving? What changed? Well, look at Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 3 with me briefly says that Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, 
appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Any of you little ones out there that have the bulletins, you'll notice that this also is talked about in the children's bulletins. That 40-day period when Christ was still on the earth after his resurrection, speaking and teaching about the kingdom of God. 40 days, Christ was on earth appearing to the disciples post-resurrection. So between the resurrection, that glorious event, and the ascension, we have some 40 days. Again, and that's a significant number, right? Those of you who uh, read your Bibles and know a bit or two, 40 is a very biblically significant number. In 40 days, Christ was on the earth ministering um, in the flesh to his uh, church post-resurrection. And in that time, Jesus is telling his disciples some really important stuff that leads them to worship and joy. He's teaching them some things, telling them some things. What were they, perhaps? We can speculate, but I think we can arrive at some confident conclusions this morning. So point number one is going to be this. The first thing we can say is that Christ told them he was going to send another helper. He was going to send a helper, a comforter, one who would come and be with them. The one we know is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity. So we must remember the ascension of Christ means the coming of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Look with me at the end of that passage in Luke that we read a moment ago. And behold, it says, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is a reference to the person of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons the disciples rejoiced after Jesus' departure is because Christ has told them he would send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to come and to do all of these things for them. Many of these are listed in places like John 14. You can go and read John 14. And Christ talks a lot about what the Holy Spirit will be doing after his departure. You'll essentially see in John 14 that the the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is an extension really in many ways and of the ministry of Christ, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is essentially to apply the work of Jesus, is to apply the work of Christ to our lives. Let me read a brief section from John 14 for you. If anyone loves me, this is Jesus, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we, we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to to your remembrance, all that I said to you, end quote. And it goes on. The Holy Spirit draws our attention to Jesus. The Holy Spirit teaches us the meaning of the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit strengthens us and helps us to obey the teaching of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts and empowers us to fulfill the Great Commission. Those of you who were here last week will remember we talked a little bit about the Great Commission. If you've ever traveled internationally, you will know the blessing of having a guide or a host. Someone who can help explain things to you. Some of you folks that are here internationally may not have had that. 
May we be better to help you if you need help navigating this strange land which you find yourself in. But if you've ever been overseas to a new country, you'll know the value of having a guide or a host. I remember uh, some years ago going to China and having a dear friend from the church here show me around. I would have been completely lost without someone helping me, hosting, showing me around. And for my trip to Kenya in a few weeks, it will be the same. Having someone to help, to translate, to explain, to guide me in the ways of the culture is absolutely essential. In some ways, we can liken this to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When a person comes to Jesus and repents of their sins and believes in him, the scriptures tell us it's kind of like moving to a new country. There's all this, you're seeing things differently and everything looks a bit different. You've got a new spectacle, so to speak. You have a new heart. Things feel different even when you come to Jesus. Though there's joy, we suddenly no longer feel at home in the world. We become as foreigners and strangers in the world. The Bible uses this word aliens, right? We become outsiders or so we feel. It's as if we have new glasses and everything looks different. The ministry of the Holy Spirit We could liken to a tour guide. It's much more than that. Again, bear with me in the analogy here. He's our host, our friend, our helper in the midst of a foreign land. Right now, Jesus ministers to us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is pleased to continually lead us to Jesus, to his teaching, and to his work for us in dying and rising. And this is one of the great reasons the disciples were no longer sorrowful. We're not going to be alone. We feel like outsiders here, but we're going to have a guide, a helper, a friend who will be with us. Jesus told them, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you the comforter and he's going to help you. R.C. Sproul's teaching on the ascension is so very helpful. He says that many Christians wish they were alive when Jesus was on earth. And they hope and pray they're here when the Lord returns. It's almost as if we believe that we're the most unfortunate people of all because we have to live in his absence in that in-between period. You ever had those thoughts before? I think I have. But this is wrong thinking. We are not alone. The last part of the Great Commission is Jesus saying, again, Great Commission, Those of you here last week, we talked about this. Matthew 28, right there at the end. Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I am with you. Remember, Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. And now God is with us more intimately than ever in the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells inside of every believer's heart. Christ has sent to us the Holy Spirit and Christ is working even now through the Spirit of God in our hearts. That's point number one. And point number two, we must remember the ascension of Christ means the enthronement of Christ. Hope we'll see again here another reason why there was rejoicing amongst the disciples. Take a look with me at verse nine in Acts chapter one. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, 
he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Later on in Acts, a man named Stephen, just a few chapters later, I think it's Acts 7. Stephen, who is a follower of Jesus, is being stoned and he looks up and says he sees the Son of Man, which was a title that Jesus used of himself all the time throughout his ministry. He says he sees the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. This only enraged them all the more and they kept throwing stones at Stephen as he was preaching. These words, these texts suggest that Jesus's ascension is a fulfillment of a very important prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and following. It says this, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. What this means is if this is right, if. If these are a fulfillment, this ascension, these moments that are referred to here in Acts are a fulfillment of that passage in Daniel. What this means is that the the ascension of Christ was his installment as the true king of the world. Far from the ascension being the end of Christ's work, it was the beginning of Christ's rule and reign as king of the world. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes these words. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is Paul writing of Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. This is the right way of looking at these things. God's kingdom has been started through the enthronement of Jesus, who now sits on heaven's throne and will return to complete his kingdom on earth as in heaven. One thing this means is that all authority on heaven and on earth is in Jesus's hands. Again, Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus says this, all authority in heaven And on earth has been given to me. He is enthroned. He is king. He reigns now. He is the rightful sovereign and king and is ruling over all things, even as we speak. One thing this means for you and me is that Christ cares. Does a loving king not care for his subjects, no matter where they live or dwell? They are in his kingdom. Rest assured that Jesus cares for all in his kingdom. Rest assured that Christ the King sees every injustice and one day will right every wrong, no matter what corner of the kingdom you live in. In verse 11 of Acts chapter 1, two angels explain to the disciples, this Jesus who is taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way way as you saw him go into heaven. One uh, seminary professor I was reading who wrote some things about this 
uh, passage um, writes this. He writes, Jesus' heavenly reign will one day be fully realized on earth. This is the very thing we ask for when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At his return, the Lord Jesus will execute divine judgment, vindicating his downtrodden people and judging his enemies. Christ is ruling and reigning right now. And he will return again one day. This leads us now to point number three. So Christ's ministry is continuing through the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Christ's ministry continues as he rules and reigns on his throne right now. We also must remember the ascension of Christ means the greater priestly ministry of Christ to us. So Christ right now, his ministry as our great high priest also continues in this very moment. These are things we must remember as his people. So Jesus is leaving to go and be with his father far from hindering or ending his ministry to us. Only amplified it, only amplified Christ's work. We've seen this again in the coming of the Holy Spirit. We've seen this in the kingship of Christ. And now we see it in the increase of Christ's priestly ministry as well. Earlier in the service, we read from Hebrews 7 and 8. That passage told us of the limitations of the previous priests. You can go back and look at it if you want. I think maybe it's there in your bulletin. Now, when I say priests, what I mean is someone who helps a person in their relationship with God. It's priest is a fancy word that means someone who mediates or facilitates or helps someone in their relationship with God. This person um, acts as a go-between between sinners, us, and God. Well, the priests in the Old Testament were also sinners. So how did that work? We've got a sinner mediating for sinners. It's not ideal. Which meant that before they could do anything for people in the presence of God, they had to deal with their own sin. I mean, not only, of course, repenting and all of that, but making sacrifices is a part of what this meant in the Old Testament. They had to atone for their own sins. So not only were they limited um, in this way, they were also limited by death and by location. Right? The priests in the Old Testament were going to die one day. So there had to be another priest and another priest and another priest to continue the work of helping people in their relationship with God. And they were also limited by their location. They couldn't be everywhere all the time, but only in one place to do this important work. Well, likewise, during Christ's earthly ministry, Jesus's work was geographically limited in his human nature. He was bound to the one place that he was in. So Jesus teaching in Israel couldn't also be teaching in Cuba. Jesus healing in Nazareth couldn't also be healing in Nigeria or Kenya or China. But now that he is seated at the right hand of God, he is at work everywhere. His priestly ministry now is global, not confined to one place. Jesus 
right now is able to hear and respond to his people's prayers, no matter the time or place. Amen. This is a glorious truth that we should never, ever forget. Christ's ascension magnified and expanded his priestly ministry to you and I. This morning, uh, all of us can lift prayers to the Lord together at the same time. Because the Spirit of God is here helping us in our weakness to pray and lift our burdens and trust to the Lord. And at the same time, Christ is in heaven receiving those prayers and presenting them to the Father. The ascension is the glorious truth that the ministry of Christ continues to this day. Jesus is not done working for us in serving his church. Jesus' ministry continues. This should embolden us in life, should fill us with hope and empower our prayers. May the Lord work through these words to move us to be bold for Christ and to come boldly before the throne of God in prayer. Let's do that now together as we wrap up. Lord, we're thankful that we have a comforter and a helper who right now works in our hearts that we can even know what to pray, that we can present our requests and know that they are heard. Again, not because of anything we are, but because our Lord is right there ministering at the very throne of God, helping us sanctifying us, doing all the things that only He can do. So we come boldly now, believing Jesus, your ministry continues. Thank you for this glorious truth. And I pray the words we've heard today would encourage us and embolden us and strengthen us. All this we ask in the name of Jesus. Our risen, exalted, reigning great high priest. Amen.